1: Welcome to This League Uncut! In the world of 24-hour NBA news, this news, you lose! Chris Haynes, it's go time! Mark Stein, it's show time! boom sakalaka.
2: This League Uncut is underway and on fire! This should be a good one. Gonna be a good one indeed, a fresh and clean edition of this league uncut as we move firmly into the second round of the NBA playoffs. Mark Stein here with Chris Haynes as always. Eight teams left in the race for a title. Those eight teams hold the lowest composite winning percentage for a final eight in the history of the NBA's 16-team playoff format, which, by the way, turns 40 years old next season and that awesome stat comes from our shared former teammate from ESPN Kevin Pelton you got the defending champions in there as a number six seed two playing teams in the second round for the first time the seventh seeded Lakers the eighth seeded Heat we're gonna get to all that we're gonna get of course to Warriors-Lakers, the series that Chris will primarily be covering in round two. LeBron James versus Stephen Curry. Round five in the playoffs starts later tonight. But we got to start with this crazy Philly game. We are recording Monday night for a Tuesday morning release of this pod. Game one, the Sixers with no Joel Embiid and... James Harden goes for 45, Tyrese Maxey goes for 26, 71 combined from the guards and without Joel Embiid, they take a 1-0 lead in Boston. Chris Haynes, I did not see that coming at all. I know obviously we're I mean Tuesday later today the MVP award is going to be announced. Joel Embiid is has emerged as the favorite to win that. I think we all expect him to be announced as the MVP but Joel Embiid he's told you he's told me he said it all year long all he wants to do is get to the playoffs and be healthy and here he is he's not healthy but his guys just stepped up huge and man the Sixers this is this is this is a whopper of an upset
3: I mean I don't think anybody could have really saw that coming in Boston game 1 without arguably Well, I think, like you said, he's going to be the favorite to win that MVP award. James Harden turned back the hands of time with that performance. That was vintage James Harden with the Houston Rockets. That's what he did. You could tell he was in a comfort zone. He didn't have to really defer at all. It was his show, and he felt comfortable. He looked comfortable doing it. And then you had Tyrese Maxey going off and being the speedster that he is and Making plays, getting downhill, hitting that jump shot. Philly looked like they look like a really good ball club. You saw um, James Harden talking with my colleague Ali LaForce after the game. And he said um he, he he was short, but he was real candid with it with his with his response, his answer. He said, um, uh, she asked like how did it feel to be back in that mode of the James Harden of old? He said, I was gonna shoot regardless. Whether they whether they, whether they went in or not, that's a different story. But I was going to get my shots up, man. so you, you know he looked like a really confident guy, man. So it was good to see him kind of back to his old ways. I know a lot of people felt like he may have lost a step or lost the lost the ability to gain separation, but he did that and he did it against one of the tougher one of the tougher defensive clubs. We have. I mean, there
2: is so much to unpack just from this one game because really, with Milwaukee home for the summer before the playoffs, if we would have said the Bucks would lose in the first round, you would have, I mean, I think most reasonable people in the NBA would have said the Celtics Philly winner becomes the favorite to win it all. But the Sixers now don't know what kind of Joel Embiid they're going to have back when he does come back. The Celtics just look like a mess. I mean, they, couldn't close out Atlanta when they had the chance in game five, they finished that series in very limp fashion. And then for the Celtics to come out in this game, the day after the Boston Bruins in the same building, this ain't a hockey podcast, but yes, I am a Buffalo Sabres fan. So I do keep a little bit of an eye on it. The Boston Bruins had the best regular season in hockey history. They go up three, one, they lose game seven, in overtime, at home, out in the first round. 24 hours later, the Celtics are back in the building with a city in mourning because Boston fans love their Bruins as much as they love the Celtics, as much as they love the Patriots. And with the city in mourning, how you don't show up locked in to take advantage of Philly when Embiid is not there is crazy but they look, I mean, they finished, the finish was, I mean, indescribably bad. And I mean, that, you know, again, it's only one game and we don't know, even if Embiid can come back in game two or game three, whenever it is, we don't know how effective he'll actually be. I mean, what would you do if you're the Sixers? Do you now sit him in game two to give him, you know, three more extra days before game three? I mean, you've got the split now in Boston.
3: I would sit them. I would sit them because the Sixers have confidence now. And I know teams and players like to say they always have confidence, but they won game one in Boston. That is not easy to do. And so now they really do have confidence because they've seen it happen. And I would sit them. I would give them the extra rest, see if he can get back for game three in Philly. But I'd most definitely ride the confidence that they have right now, ride the wave, See if James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, and those other guys can step up again. And, and, and you, you know you never know. But definitely, I, I I think there's no way, if I'm management, there's no way that I allow Joel Embiid to come back for game two.
2: I think we both know Mr. Embiid pretty well. But I'm going to ask you, how how hard will it be to sell him on that strategy? Do you think he'll see the wisdom in it and say, yes, yeah. let me sit out here I, because I think- it's – Game three is not I till Friday. It's,
3: it's not till Friday, but I think it's easier to sell him on that being that they won game one. And I think he gets that because ultimately, like like he's told us time and time again, his number one goal is the championship, right? So it looks like he's going to get MVP. He's going to be happy with that. He's definitely going to be uh, pleased by finally being able to raise that award up in the air. But Championship is what's most important. So if that's what's most important, then you have to put your health first and foremost. And if that means wait until Friday, I think he'll be willing to do that considering the Celtics. Th- I mean, considering the Sixers were able to get game one.
2: Yeah, because I do think for him, I mean, were he to win MVP, but then the Sixers to go out in the second round again, I mean, I don't want to say hollow, because like, like we both know, he does want that award, and it does mean a lot to him. And to finally check off that box. I mean, you know, that's a big deal to him, but he does need a playoff run. I, you know, he needs a playoff run, a long playoff run, as least as, at least as much as he needs the MVP award. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is, the, and look, we don't know big for man, sure, but just the way that this is all kind of played out, the nuggets will have played both of their first two games against Phoenix. Uh, I mean they're they're playing game 2 as we speak. So uh, you know when if if Jokic won the MVP, y- you'd think that that would have already been announced that the league wouldn't announce it when Jokic is about to go play two games in Phoenix. So I do think Embiid is going to be announced as the MVP later today. But man, we got to I mean, what about James Harden? Seriously. He he's been crushed for years for his playoff performance. He was crushed tonight for that. Did you see the did you see the pregame fit, as the kids would say? Am I allowed to say it like that? Am I, am I, can I say it like yes, that, or do I, I sound ridiculous? No,
3: that's fine. What do you think? What do you think of
2: the pregame fit?
3: I I think David Stern is rolling over in his grave right now with, with what we allow to happen with this dress code. Uh, he, he would def- David Stern would definitely not approve of that, that bagginess. That is beyond bagginess. That's beyond the bagginess that we were – putting ourselves in the 90s, early 2000s, it's, 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 he's he's, He took it a couple of degrees up with that style. I, you know, I'm a I'm not a stylist. I'm not a stylist at all. You know, I'm just now getting back into getting into custom suits and being tailored and, you know, suits fit in your body mold. So what James Harden pulled away with, that's, that's the complete opposite of what I'm doing right now. So, uh, hey, whatever floats your boat, him and, and, and SGA over there in OKC, you know, they're, they're known by, you know, most of the players to be some of the sharpest dressers. You hear that? Sharpest dressers we have in the league. <laughs> that's that's according to them. You ask people outside the NBA, they'll probably have, give you a different tale.
2: Let's say he got crushed for the look. He got, he, you know, his playoff history always gets thrown in his face. And then on top of all of that, you know, he was seen in Vegas during this week off that the Sixers had to kind of, uh, you know, you know, they, they finished off Brooklyn quick. And, uh, you know, we we're thinking, okay, this is extra time for for maybe Joel Embiid's need to, to heal. And all of a sudden there's uh, James Harden sighting in Vegas that I don't know what, uh,
3: Oh, hold up. You, you mentioned a sighting in Vegas. Stein, hold on. I got room service, Stein. Yes, come, come on in, Stein. I mean, come on in. What's your name? BJ. BJ, nice to meet you, brother. Come, come on in.
2: Yes, America, this is what happens on the This League Uncut podcast. You remember early in the history of the show, uh, when we were really a fledgling show, uh, Chris Haynes had to stop one episode because the pizza delivery man rang the doorbell. But this this is more excusable. I think we're not going to find him because... He is on the road. He is in a hotel getting ready for game one of Lakers Sixers. So the room service, you know, he's in a nice hotel, though, because there was not a knock on the door. There was a doorbell ring. So when the doorbell rings at a hotel, that tells you that that uh, TNT's got Chris Haynes hooked up and he's staying somewhere nice.
3: A brother has to eat. Oh, but that's what I was saying. So Stein, you brought up James Harden, James Harden sighting in Vegas. What was he seen doing? Can you tell me that, Stein? No. (laughs) I had to ask, Stein. I had to ask, man. I thought he. I thought he made some news, some uh, somewhat with with his signing. Maybe I was wrong. I thought they said he did something. I don't know. I don't know know either. That's why I I don't know. I'm just
2: waiting for the explanation. I don't know either.
3: I doubt we get an explanation, Sti. I highly doubt that. Can you imagine? Check this out, Sti. Can you imagine? Because I think this is the first time Harden has been in front of reporters. Can you imagine him getting asked that question after after tonight's game?
2: This is the playoff game of his life, so maybe it's a good time because he can say pretty he can say pretty much anything now and and uh and it's gonna they're gonna bless it. Do we need to take a break so you can have this room service meal? No.
3: So my, my best friend Terrence Hall drove down from Fresno to come kick it with me. So this is actually his food he okay. ordered. So it's for him. I ate. I'm good. So
2: your idea of a way to, you know reconnect with one of your best friends is, hey, come, wa- come hang out with me and watch me talk on a podcast.
3: No, it's not like that. Usually when my friends find out I'm near, they just come over <laughs> uninvited. <laughs> that's usually how it works. And it's, it's not like I keep it a secret. You know, there, there was a press release that went out, that says I decided I reported for game one of Lakers and Warriors. So and that's how my friends are.
2: All right. That was not part of tonight's planned discussion. But like I said, I'm not sure we can say that anymore because we need a lot more clarity on the Joel Embiid health situation. But wow. I mean, Philly winning game one was not in the script. And James Harden with the playoff game of his life after all of these other interesting sidebars to the discussion.
4: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. (laughs)
1: such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. You fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, a Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT.
5: The GOAT.
1: He shoots.
5: He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
2: What I wanted to ask you when we got together tonight was, is this the year of the lower seed? Again, Warriors, number six, take out number three, Sacramento. The Lakers as a number seven, take out number two, Memphis. The Heat as a number eight, as we all know, take out number one, Milwaukee, in historic fashion, in five games. Boston is a two versus three, but as we've said 15 times already tonight, Embiid's got this knee situation. The Celtics have looked like an absolute mess. I mean, we knew this season was wide open, but I think it's even more wide open now than than we anticipated after a bizarre regular season. Like Warriors, Lakers, Heat, could our champion really come from that trio? I guess you've been saying... You've kind of been a Lakers believer now for a while, which I clearly have not.
3: Yeah, ever since they made those moves at the deadline. But I will say about you know, the point about lower seas taking down the higher season, and is, is this the season. I think there is an ex- exception for a few of those teams. I think there should be an exception made. Let me know if you agree or not. I believe there should be an ex- exception made for the Warriors, and the Lakers. The only team that I feel like is really in that boat of a true lower seed is the Miami Heat. The Lakers got better at the deadline. So they're, they're they they you know they climbed up the rankings ever since they made those moves. So they're really a better team than their seeding. And the same thing for the Warriors. They were dealing with injuries. Stephen Curry out, so they're a better team than their seeding. The Miami Heat is really the only team out there that you can't say well, health didn't make any moves. They're really a number eight seed, and they took the hard way of the playoff playing route to get to the playoffs. That's probably the really the most sp- spectacular thing that we've seen as far in the playoffs. But to answer your to answer your question, going into the postseason, Phoenix was my team. That I said I think you know that's not looking too good as of right now. I know it's only one game. But Denver is looking really good, and I think a lot of people, including myself, was, was sleeping on a bit. But Warriors and the Lakers—they're better than. Let me see what did it. The sixth and seventh yeah. seed. Yeah, they're they're better than the sixth and seventh seed. And uh, you know, Philly and Boston—they were they were right there for for a minute. And uh, but I, I do I do feel like. <sighs> hmm, I feel like. Mm. Do I want to say this? I'm a bail. I'm a bail. I'm not saying it. I'm a bail. I was, Stein, I was going to say something that was going to have me in some hot water, Why? Stein. It was going to have me in some hot water because I was going to pick a team. Because I, I, I really feel this way, but I'm a whole And you judge. don't want to I'm, get I'm, aggregated, I'm
2: a, I'm a, is what you're
3: saying. This will get aggregated. What I was thinking right now is going to get But, Stein, I learned from you because a lot of times you tell me, don't just say what I'm thinking at that moment. Give us, give us some but time. But
2: usually, you ignore my advice. I do most of the time. You I ask, do.
3: but the tip—ask
2: temp- for my old head counsel, <laughs> and then you just do it anyway. Which I, well, which Stein. I actually admire, because I wish, because I'm too safe. You always have the gumption to say, you know what? I'm just gonna. Stein, thanks for looking out, but uh, no, I'm gonna do it anyway.
3: But well, Stein, how many times have I said something on the, on this pod? You let it go, and then once the pod is done. You go back to our super producer, Ryan, and you say, hey, Ryan, uh, I think we should take out what Chris said in, in, a, in a ten fifteen mark. Let's take it out. And I, all, the whole time, the rest of the pod, I'm thinking, like I'm weighing it. I'm like, should I have said that? Should I leave that it in may there? Or may, that
2: may or may not have happened once or twice in this show's brief history.
3: So I listen
2: but to I, you. I listen not, to you. I can't confirm or deny that. The larger question here, and the truth is, we can't answer it yet, is has something materially changed in the league? Like, do we have newfound, lasting parity? And I would caution that there's just no way for us to have that answer and know that yet. There's just no way because this season was so bizarre. I mean, we've we have covered this in the past. This is the 19th season in the league where you had 30 franchises in the first 18 of those seasons, the West averaged 5.3 50 win teams this season. There were only two. And a lot of that was because we had so much, I mean, there was just widespread injury throughout the West and it it makes it harder to judge. Like, you know, how can we say it now that this is, that this is the new NBA and it's the new way it is when a, a, We don't even know what kind of roster changes we're going to see from teams for next season. I mean, a bunch of teams could look drastically different. But yeah, I mean, I do agree with what you were saying earlier. The Warriors, they're not your normal number six seed. They're the defending champs. They had to play long stretches of the season with no Steph and no Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins missed 45 games. Stephen Curry missed 26. The Lakers, like you said, that's a completely different team now. They made four trades between January 23rd and February 9th. It is a new roster. And I would actually, where I would disagree with you, I think even the Heat belong in this category to a degree because I checked with the great Jeff Stotts from instreetclothes.com and he keeps a database on every injury in the league. And, you know, the Heat were fourth in games lost to injury this season. Only Detroit, Portland, and Orlando lost more games to injury. So even they had a very up and down regular season and and even now with this 1-0 lead that they take into msg for game two you know jimmy butler's playing with an injury now and they've lost tyler hero and they lost victor oladipo so this is such a strange season i just i don't know yet if this is the new way but you know lawrence frank dropped this stat last week when he was doing his season ending media and he, Mm he he brought it up basically he was saying the Clippers need to take the regular season more seriously than they have. Because mm. if you look at it, the last 28 mm. champions in the NBA have been a top three yep. seed. We have not seen a champion in the NBA outside the okay. top three since the Houston Rockets in 1995, my first full year covering the NBA. So um,
3: I like that he said that, Stai. But who was he talking to?
2: Yeah, well, that's, I mean, he, I, he was clearly from my seat, clearly talking to Kawhi and PG. So how do you think Hmm. that landed with them? I mean, that's really the question because obviously they, you know, Lawrence Frank was effusive in his praise of those guys. And he said, the Clippers want to resign those guys and keep those guys. But if you're talking about taking the regular season more seriously, he could only, that could only mean he was referring to Kawhi and Paul George, unless I'm completely missing the point. Hmm. I just
3: want to get your <laughs> opinion.
2: <laughs> Great, so you just let—that's all. Let me get aggregated. <laughs> Thanks.
3: That's I all. All right,
2: let's talk <laughs> about the marquee series of round two. You're going to be on it, both TV wise and writing wise, and you're already there. Warriors, Lakers. Um, you know, I'm I. I I kind of brought this up already on Twitter, but I don't think we can say it enough, and it'll be in my story that posts today on Substack. You know, the joke always used to be in the David Stern era, that the dream series in the NBA offices, when they would talk about their absolute, if they could do any playoff matchup that they could, if they could really control it and joystick it, that their dream series would be Lakers versus Lakers, because nothing would get better ratings. And Lakers versus Warriors, LeBron versus Steph is probably as close to the mythical Lakers versus Lakers matchup. I mean, this is going to be the series that uh, TV ratings or, you know, that TV executives dream of um, because, you know, these guys have already met on the final stage four times. They met on the play-in stage once, even though the record books, you can't even find that. Um you tell me, I mean, how psyched are you to be, to be on this one? I mean, this is, this is a, uh, you know, Draymond's going to say you're spying for the Lakers. And
3: I mean, <laughs> I hope we got over that already. I, I hope, I hope I was able to convince them, but Stein, you know, allow me to reflect real quick, man. Like I grew up in Fresno, California, West side of Fresno. And, um, I remember watching NBA games on NBC and we went to church every Sunday early in the morning. And so I will only catch about the first quarter of the games that came on. And usually it, the first games will be those Eastern Conference games, be the New York Knicks, you know, be it out in California. But that music would come on, you know, the NBC music. We talked about that. And uh, I just remember. remember watching Ahmad Rashad, Peter Vesey, doing sidelines for those games. And for some reason, you know, as an eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid, you know, they stood out to me. And that's way before I even, even thought about pursuing journalism or anything. First of all, I didn't think about pursuing that until my late 20s. But, man, I am so honored, man, so honored to be Doing this this game, covering this game, being on the sidelines for the Lakers, Warriors, LeBron, Steph. I've covered LeBron for 10 years. I've covered Steph for, uh, what was it, about four or five years. Man, it it hasn't hit home, man. So I'm excited. I'm stoked. I'm stoked, man. I'm super stoked to be on it. Um, What do I expect? I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what I, I'll, I'll expect, Stein. But I, I'll tell you this, man. Um, I know LeBron James and Stephen Curry. They're definitely up for this task. This was I talked to LeBron. Believe believe it was his first year when he came with the Lakers, and um, we were talking about these scenarios about what the NBA. We was having just a conversation on the side about what the dream matchups the NBA wants to wants to see. And he brought that up, Stein. He brought that up. Said, for sure, they want the Lakers or Warriors. You know, at that time, he said Lakers, Warriors, Western Conference Finals. And, you know, this is the second round. But this is, man, I can't wait, Stein. I'm very excited. I'm very humble, man. Thank God for this opportunity, man. So hopefully I can uh, do my job and stay out the way and and let them perform.
2: Well, look, I'm happy for you. I mean, that's, you know, obviously that's – I can hear the excitement in your voice. I totally get it. It's funny though, like just just we're, you know, the age difference between us because I, you know, in of your generation, there is such reverence for the NBC broadcasts and the song, you know, Round for Ball sure. Rock, but I, I it's I feel the exact same way about the 80s when it was on CBS and like the CBS music from the 80s will just stop me in my tracks. I like,
3: yeah, I have to, I, I don't even know yeah, what that I sounds mean, like. I, I need to go, like, go back and listen is, to that.
2: Because there was, you know, basketball was, the NBA was very, very much the third class citizen. You know, baseball mm-hmm. was almost on equal footing with the NFL. And when I was probably, you know, when I was really just becoming a, a sports fan in the seventies, I would argue baseball had a larger profile. So, I mean, it you know, mm-hmm. throughout the eighties, Baseball and football, you know it. It took Magic and Mike. It it took Magic and Larry, and then Michael to you know push the NBA to the heights that it ultimately reached. But in the eighties, a national TV game on CBS they were rarer. And just like I said, I would hear. I yeah, I'm surprised you actually haven't heard this like that. This, the the eighties CBS music, like oh, just like perfection. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I get misty. eyed just thinking about that. So it's just, just funny. The, uh, you know, that you feel the same way about, about the nineties. And I'm sure, I'm sure Mr. Vesey will love hearing that, uh, hearing you say that, I mean, look, th- but this series, like we talk about LeBron being, you know, the greatest 38 year old we've ever seen. And nobody has ever aged like him. Mm-hmm. I think we got to start saying that about Steph. He looks fantastic and it's I remember when the Mavericks went on their title run in 2011, and I would talk a lot about this with Peja Stojakovic, who was a a former All-Star and a great shooter, scorer in his own right, but at that point, he was a role player. And Peja would marvel at what Dirk was doing on that title run in 2011. And when I would speak about this with Peja, he would say, like, Dirk, you know, we would both kind of say that, You know, Dirk is a surgeon now, like in his later stages, he knew exactly what he wanted to do, exactly how to get to his spots, exactly how to operate. And that's just that's how I feel with Steph. I mean, he, you know, he would not let his team lose that game seven in Sacramento and, uh, you know, got inside more than really we've ever seen him you know, took 38 shots on a, on a, on an afternoon that most of his teammates outside of Kevon Looney didn't have it. I mean, that, that was, that was surgeon-like.
3: So here's a, I might regret going onto this topic, but again, it's a
2: good. Say something, say something, say something crazy. (laughs) So it takes, (laughs) takes the focus off whatever I've said.
4: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret.
5: He Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
3: So now, Steph, I mean, he's he's gotten this recognition before. But after that performance, Game 7, People are saying the greatest point guard in history. I don't know that I have a problem with that. The hard thing about that sinking in for me is: is he the best point guard ever, or is he the best player to be labeled a point guard? Does that no, make sense? I totally right? agree
2: because I don't. I don't look at him as a pure point guard. I mean, you know.
3: Yeah, I don't. I don't either. But but people will go. People get crazy when you say that. They they get defensive about that, and so it's like. I have a hard time. Like, are we talking? Of, you know, are we talking about he's the best point guard ever? Because the point guard has certain obligations, ha- certain responsibilities, and I'm not saying Steph. I oh, will see. I'm gonna get myself in trouble, but you get what I'm saying, no.
2: Steph. I'm you're like, not. <laughs> look, you're not getting in any trouble with me. I mean, to me, greatest point guard. Like, you know it's pretty hard to rest that mantle for magic Johnson. I, you know, I don't, I don't think I you're not you. going to get like that. One's not up for debate for me, but you know, the debate is common is Steph, a, te- a top 10 player. And I say unequivocally, yes, he is a top 10 player. I agree. Not only, yes. not only for his complete body of work, which he's, you know, after winning the finals MVP, he's won everything now, but also when you mm-hmm. bring in the change, the game factor, he has, he has that, And, you know, Dirk had that too. And I thought that was, you know, Dirk only has one championship on his resume, but that's one of the things that I think puts Dirk in the top 20. Dirk changed his position. Stephen Curry changed what constitute a good shot in the NBA. He changed the shooting range for a whole generation. And I I looked this up. Howard Beck did a piece on Steph last year and Draymond had this fantastic quote in here, which I think backs up your point. Steph's an anomaly. He's different than anything we've ever seen in this league. He's not Allen Iverson. He's not Isaiah Thomas. He's not Ray Allen. He's not Reggie Miller. He's like some mix of all those guys. So I'm in total agreement Mm -hmm. with you and Draymond. He's not a point guard. I don't even look at him like that, especially in this positionless era. But, you know, we... We could do a whole show debating top 10, and and for some people, they're not going to have Steph in the top 10. But, uh, you know, I think he yeah, belongs I, there. I'll put him top you 10.
3: Know? Yeah, I'll put him top 10. But is there anybody else that's in that category where we really can't give them a position? Like they really don't, do not hold a primary position. They're just great. They're just well, a great at, basketball player. At this point, it's- I mean, what is LeBron's position? He's played them all.
2: I mean, except center. He, he yeah, has. I mean, he's, he's he been has, elite but. as a one, as a four, as a three. I mean, so I, I don't, I don't think he, I don't think you can put him, him in a positional box either.
3: Well, I think most people say he's a small four, but I get your point. He He's played it all. Like he's obviously, all. will yeah.
2: Russell Kareem their centers? MJ, Is you know the quintessential two guard of all time, and obviously, you know he's a lot of people's goat. But I, I I think I, you know, I that's the thing is I think I think LeBron and Steph who've played the bulk of their career in this positionless era. Yeah, like I'm not so hung up on player designations. But look, whatever we say, people will disagree with it. That's fine. These are you know these are all topics that everybody gets you know crazy mad about. I mean, series wise. You know, I'm picking the Warriors. I'm not picking against, you know, I last year I said it. I, I, Last year I got all swept up in, you know, the Mavs took out Phoenix. And I actually made the regrettable mistake, despite having spent so much time with the Warriors for the first three years of their dynasty. I, you know, I picked the Mavericks to, to beat the Warriors and was made to look foolish. Huge mistake the warriors and all their playoff know-how uh, sacramento just experienced it you know how much did we talk about the kings going or how much did we talk about the warriors being 11 and 30 on the road and then well the only road record that matters is they're 2 and 1 now on the road and they got two road or 2 and 2 on the road and they got two wins in sack, and and they're in the second round i just um ad and lebron are going to no ad was a defensive monster in the Memphis series. I mean, he was, he showed you what the best defensive player in the league looks like. He was, you know, when, when Anthony Davis plays like that, he is the best defensive force in the league, but offensively, he was a bit up and down. I think both he and LeBron are going to have to play at a higher level in this round for them to beat the warriors. I just, you know, unless the Lakers others come up huge, you know, if Reeves and Hachimura and Vanderbilt, and uh Beasley and all these guys, you know, if, if 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 you know if those guys play above themselves, I might look foolish here, but I, I I'm I'm not picking against Golden State after what they just did.
3: Not in the West. Can we give Kavan Looney, yeah, Looney? Unreal. Oh my goodness. So i I I want to see this matchup, Kavon Looney, Anthony Davis. I want to see if he can have a similar impact defensively. On the game, like he did in dominating his matchup with Domas Sabonis, man. Kevon Looney was a beast. Oh, my goodness. The unsung hero of the Golden State Warriors. I've
2: been saying this one for years. Find yourself someone who loves you the way Steve Kerr loves Kevon Looney. Kevon Looney is Steve Kerr's favorite player. I've told Steve Kerr that I say this. He laughs because he knows it's true. But, but I mean, what that guy is an incredible story. The player that he's become after all the injuries to now become an Iron Man who never misses games and a twenty rebound machine. I mean, that's the thing. I, I just you know there are a lot of things that the Lakers are going to have to overcome to win this series. But uh, you're lucky, man. Envious that uh, that you're going to be right there in the middle of it all.
3: And I have to – my friend is getting on me right now because he was the one that was telling me I'm not giving Kevon Looney enough love. So, uh, you know, I have to give him a shout-out. My guy T. Hall over here, Terrence Hall, he was the one that put Did it in Did you my buy T. Him. Hall's
2: room service? I, I
3: yeah, I'm taking care of it. He, he got some He got some pizza and some wings. <laughs> he got some pizza and some wings. I'm taking care of it. And that's how your friends do, Stye. They come over and visit. And order room service, man. Yeah. On you. Oh,
2: yeah. I might just show up for like game three or game four and just that's knock right. on ring the ring. I can't knock on the door because you you stay in such <laughs> nice places. I gotta ring the doorbell.
3: <laughs> These are my friends, man. Get you some friends, man. I'll show up unexpectedly and charge you room service. Those are good friends, man. Yeah, that's the best friends in the world. <laughs> he said those are <laughs> the best friends in the world. <laughs> All right, I'm going to let
2: you and T-Hall enjoy the rest of the evening. Look, there's lots more here that we're going to get to. A Grizzlies post-mortem after the way Memphis' season ended. What this means going forward for John Morant. What this means going forward for Dylan Brooks. I think there's a growing sense around the league that questioning, there's certainly questions about the Grizzlies' appetite going forward. Do they really want to bring Dylan... Brooks back is that a change we're going to see from the grizzlies but look we're going to be talking lots about the grizzlies i think once we start moving in to the off-season portion of the show um we will get more into denver phoenix which game two is going on as we record this game two of nick's heat tuesday night amazing season for the kings i mean it was you know and we've talked a lot about the kings but uh you know I really kind of feel like, uh, yes, they had a 2-0 lead and couldn't convert it. But to me, there's nothing that can besmirch their season after missing the playoffs 16 years sure. in a row just to, to do what they did and push the Warriors the way they did. I'm sure they're disappointed. And I know Kings fans are probably inconsolable, but I still think when they step away, that, that season is going to go down
3: as, as a success. Hell of a year. Hell of a year. Can't take that away from them.
2: All right, it was a great first round. Let's hope the second round can maintain that level. Injuries, of course, are always the thing that can throw us. And, you know, we got to monitor the Jimmy Butler situation. Got to monitor what happens next with Embiid. But both of their teams, Miami and Philly, by winning game one on the road, their teams have this option now. of Maybe they rest the star in game two and, you know, bring Butler back. Bring Embiid back in Game 3 and uh, hope that those guys are a little bit closer to the expected level. We'll get into all of that in the next edition of This League Uncut later this week. In the meantime, everyone, please rate, review, subscribe to the show. Chris and I will be back in a couple days with more. Thanks for being with us, everybody.
1: Will do it for us. See you
4: next time. This League Uncut is an iHeartRadio production. Boom, shakalaka! Chris
1: Haynes and Mark Stein!
0: Right Rug Flooring.